नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय श्रीमद्भागवतम Chapter 5, Text 15, Translation and Commentary by Divine Grace, Srila D.C. Bhaktivedanta Srinathopada, Founder Acharya Viswam. Yugupsitam dhamakrite nushashata sobhava raktasya mahan vyatikramaha yadvakito dhama ititaratstito namanyate tasya nivaranam janaha The people in general are naturally inclined to enjoy and you have encouraged them in that way in the name of religion. This is verily condemned and is quite unreasonable. Because they are guided under your instructions, they will accept such activities in the name of religion and will hardly care for prohibitions. Apart Shilavyasadeva's compilation of different Vedic literatures on the basis of regulated performances of fruitive activities as depicted in the Mahabharata and other literature is condemned herewith by Srila Narada. The human beings by long material association, life after life, have a natural inclination by practice to endeavor to lord it over material energy. They have no sense of the responsibility of human life. This human form of life is a chance to get out of the clutches of illusory matter. The Vedas are meant for going back to Godhead, back home, to revolve in the cycle of transmigration in a series of lives numbering 8,400,000 is an imprisoned life for the condemned conditioned souls. The human form of life is a chance to get out of this imprisoned life, and as such, the only occupation of the human being is to re-establish his last relationship with God. Under the circumstances, one should never be encouraged in making a plan for sense enjoyment in the name of religious functions. Such diversion of the human energy results in a misguided civilization. Shilavyasadeva is the authority in Vedic explanations in the Mahabharata, etc. And his encouragement in sense enjoyment in some form or other is a great barrier for spiritual advancement because the people in general will not agree to renounce material activities which hold them in material form. At a certain stage of human civilization, when such material activities in the name of religion, as sacrificing animals in the name of Yajna, were too much rampant, the Lord incarnated himself as Buddha and decried the authority of the Vedas in order to stop animal sacrifice in the name of religion. This was foreseen by Narada, and therefore he condemned such literatures. The flesh eaters still continue to perform animal sacrifice before some demigod or goddess in the name of religion. because in some of the Vedic literatures such regulated sacrifices are recommended. They are so recommended to discourage flesh-eating, but gradually the purpose of such religious activities is forgotten and the slaughterhouse becomes prominent. This is because foolish materialistic men do not care to listen to others who are actually in a position to explain the Vedic rites. In the Vedas it is distinctly said that the perfection of life is never to be attained either by voluminous work or by accumulation of wealth or even by increasing the population. but it is so attained only by renunciation. The materialistic men do not care to listen to such injunctions.
According to them, the so-called renounced order of life is meant for those who are unable to earn their livelihood because of some corporeal defects or for persons who have failed to achieve prosperity in family life. In histories like the Mahabharata, of course, there are topics on transcendental subjects along with material topics. Bhagavad Gita is there in the Mahabharata. The whole idea of the Mahabharata culminates in the ultimate instructions of the Bhagavad Gita that one should relinquish all other engagements and should engage oneself solely and fully in surrendering under the lotus feet of Lord Sri Krishna. But men with materialistic tendencies are more attracted to the politics, economics, and philanthropic activities mentioned in the Mahabharata than to the principal topic, namely the Bhagavad Gita. This compromising spirit of Vyasadeva is directly condemned by Narada, who advises him to directly proclaim that the prime necessity of human life is to realize one's eternal relation with the Lord and thus surrender unto him without delay. A patient suffering from a particular type of malady is almost always inclined to accept eatables which are forbidden for him. The expert physician does not make any compromise with the patient by allowing him to take partially what he should not at all take. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is also said that a man attached to fruitive work should not be discouraged from his occupation, for gradually he may be elevated to the position of self-realization. This is sometimes applicable for those who are only dry empiric philosophers without spiritual realization. But those who are in the devotional line need not be always so advised. Before this, Narad was praising Vyasadeva. So he said that you are very great personality, you are fortunate. Your vision is spotless. You, uh, your fame is spotless. You're attached to truth. You're fixed in your vow. You have so many good qualities. Therefore, you should praise the Supreme Personality of Arukrama. In this personality, he performs very great activities. So you should praise him. That should be the subject of your writing. So first he's praising him, and now he's saying, what well, you've done, you've made a big mistake. You rewrote all these books. You see, can you imagine he's on so many volumes? Seventeen Mahapuranas he's compiled to date, plus other Puranas, Upa Puranas, the Vedas, Upanishads, Narad Kainasi. You really what you did was terrible. Shouldn't have done. Just like once one scholar was introduced to Prabhupada that he is he was told he has written a book about Krishna. It took him eighteen years to write. Prabhupada said, and still it's full of so many mistakes. He said to him on his face, Still you have said made so many mistakes. So Narada is saying the same thing to him. That yes, you're a great personality. Yes. You're very fortunate. Yes, you're qualified in so many ways. But what you did was just off track. So for you it's even worse. <coughs> if someone is qualified and he does something, if you see someone, he's not educated or he's from a low class background and he's, he behaves in a bad way, then it's almost, it's almost expected. But if someone is from a very good family and well-trained, and, and he is acting in a wrong way, then that's more despicable. 
someone who doesn't know or has been brought up in a bad way, then if he behaves in a bad way, that's that's not surprising. Just like in the Western countries, if people eat meat and drink wine and do so many things, then that's that's their way of that's the Western way of life. They don't know anything else. They don't think it's simple. But if someone in India, especially from Brahmin family, if they perform these activities, then it's most despicable. Jugupsita, verily condemned, this word is used. There's some very, in every language there are some strong words. Jugupsita, right? In Gita also, Krishna uses the word Jaganya. It means very bad. Jaganya gonavritista adhoga chantitamsa. Those who perform abominable activities in the mode of ignorance, they fall down to the lower species. So now Narad is, first of all, he praised his disciple. Yes, you're very good. Now he's giving him the sauce, as we'll say, getting on his cane, telling him that that's the job, that's the duty of the Guru. Not just to praise the disciple. You are so wonderful. You are so. We see so many bogus gurus. They'll simply praise the disciple. The disciple will praise the guru, and the disciple will give dakshina, and the guru will give blessing. You earn, you earn more money. Give me more dakshina, and feed him, and he's very content. And life goes on. Practically, people they don't want real guru. They want a guru who can bless them for increasing their sense gratification. Someone who will cut. Sadhu means who will cut. Just like Prabhupada has written here, you shouldn't compromise. Yesterday you had a compromising spirit. You compile all these literatures. And I said, no, no. See, yesterday maybe I compiled so many literatures. I'm so wonderful. Narada said, no, you're a rascal, fool, what are you doing? Because the people in general, they, are, they have that spirit to enjoy and you're encouraging them in the name of religion, you see? So many bad things go on in the name of religion. That's one reason why atheists, they, one of their arguments against religion, you see, so many bad things go on in the name of religion. So. Most of the wars in history have probably been fought because in the name of religion, jihad, fight, for the sake of Islam, you come preaching. One hand is a book. You want to take what's in this hand? Otherwise you take what's in this hand. Sword, chop off your head. This is one method of preaching. We don't do that. In the name of religion, it's all going on in the name of religion. Priti vite jyotar kichu dharma nama chale bhagavata kahitaha paripurna chale That's Bengali verse derived from this second verse of Srimad Bhagavata. That what's going on in the name of religion all over the world it's all simply cheating. That's all. Chal means some kind of device to mislead others. Just like I was quoting the other day L. Ron Hubbard founder of the Scientology Church said that if you really want to be a millionaire quick, you should found your own religion. And he did it. He became rich. It works, you see. 
you don't need to go all this trouble studying at bits and working hard. You just become a guru. That's all. Start you become God. You definitely get someone to follow you, I guarantee. <laughs> someone will take it up. God in the street and of course if you're good at talking nonsense, that's also helpful. If you can talk some educated sounding nonsense, that's also helpful. I mean there are so many beggar sadhus on the street. They also get their chapatis, but they're not much better than the dogs running in the street. They're all tattered. And they just get a few chapatis and just like people throw stones at the dogs, people just go, ah, take chapati, go, get out of here. So then, but if a successful, successful sadhu, he will speak some eloquent, elegant nonsense, tell a few jokes, you see. <laughs> and it all sounds just like this Chinmayananda. He used to speak. People would go and say, Oh, Excellency, such a good speaker. And what did he say? I don't know. It was a, such a high standard of English. I couldn't understand anything. He's a very good speaker. You see, people laughing and joking. So this is all in the name of religion. Going on in the name of religion. So Vyasadeva, of course, is not such a cheated. His motive was not to cheat. But he made some compromise. That you want to enjoy? All right. Perform some sacrifice. And you will get more facilities to enjoy. Or perform some vrata. There are different kinds. Of, just like chaturmasa. You perform. There are so many benefits. If you follow this, you'll get immediate. Just like by taking no salt, you're supposed to get a good voice. And then by different things, you don't, you follow this, and you follow that, and then you will be elevated to higher planets in the next life. Be a brahmachari, follow brahmacharya. See, in your youth you should follow brahmacharya, and then later on, when you get married, you can enjoy more, because your body is healthy and strong. Or if you follow all your life, you can be elevated to the heavenly planet, and then you can enjoy the apsaras there, you see. Now you'll be a brahmacharya and later you enjoy like anything. So this is all enticing people. You, you follow moral principles. Be good. Be nice. And later you can enjoy more. So this is called pravritti marga. There are two paths, the Vedic path. Pravritti marga, pravritti marga. Pravritti marga means the path of, in, of regulated enjoyment. Because anyway, people have the propensity. They want to enjoy, but the pravritti marga of the Vedas means to enjoy under Vedic regulations. So at least you don't enjoy unrestrictedly. There's some restriction. Nivritti marga means the path of renunciation. So actually the Vedic knowledge is meant for leading us towards the path of nivritti of cessation of material activity. The people in general are less intelligent, therefore Yasadev has compiled the Vedic literature so I think that's very good. I perform some sacrifices and go to the heavenly planets and can enjoy more. That's very good. But to perform this sacrifice I have to be, you see, I have to follow celibacy for so many days. I have to give charity to the Brahmins. So this regulates people and makes them pious. But still the idea is there. 
enjoying spirit, as long as the enjoying spirit is there, then people remain trapped within the material world. Then we may say, then what's the ultimate benefit anyway? Actually, there is no direct benefit. The only, bene the only real benefit is that by performing these things, one can come in contact with Vishnu and the Vaishnavas. Just like if you perform a sacrifice, then who is Yajyapati, Yajyabhuk? Who is the master of the sacrifice? Who is the enjoyer? Even if, you, if you're performing any sacrifice to the demigods, Shalagam Shila must be there and must be worshipped first. Because demigods, they cannot accept anything on their own behalf, but they have to accept as a representative of Lord Vishnu. So then one may come to understand that, or even you see, just like smarta brahmanas, they also, they also know that they have to recite in their rituals, so many rituals. Part of that is they'll recite the, uh, the names of Vishnu, just like Vishnu Sahasranama, and they say the best method for removing all sinful action, sinful reactions is to chant the name of Vishnu. Of course, they, it's not the proper way to just like I'll perform sinful activities and then Vishnu, Vishnu. It's not the very proper approach, but the, some consciousness of Vishnu is there. And then by, by performing these pious activities, they may come in contact with the Vaishnava, just like you're told, you should respect sannyasis, you should... It's a, you see, generally people think it's a pious activity to hear Srimad Bhagavatam. That's an example. Bhagavat Sapta. People organize Bhagavat Saptas. They don't want to go back to Godhead like Parikshit Maharaj. But they think, let me hear and I'll get some pious result. So, mostly these Bhagavat Saptas, it's all cheating. That's all. Who's, who's speaking is simply some kind of quasi-spiritual entertainment. <coughs> quasi-spiritual entertainment. The people come and they go away and their life goes on just as it was before. Their life doesn't change. And they'll concentrate on all the nice leelas of Krishna, just as stealing butter or dancing with the gopis. You won't hear so many verses. There are so many verses in Bhagavatam which are stressing on the miseries of material life, how we have to surrender to Krishna. You see, Shukadev Goswami, when he met Parikshit Maharaj, he immediately you see, Shukadev Goswami begins speaking at the beginning of the second canto. Immediately, he's very strong. Immediately says, we're not going to hear, we're not going to speak all nonsense. The, the, the common people, they have millions of things to talk about. But they're simply blind to knowledge of self-realization. They're simply attached in their materialistic family life. So in this way, immediately, just don't be attached. You come here, you're sitting on the bank of the Ganga, don't let your mind go. Now you come here. Now, just understand. Just sit here, listen, hear about Krishna. So they don't, you see these Bhagavad Sapta speakers, they don't speak all these things. Pungsastriya mitani bhavanitam, that we cause of bondage in this material world is attraction between male and female. They're not going to speak these things because then no one will come to hear them and they won't get any pranami. And then what's the point? You know, I, I went to all the trouble to speak and then you know, all the people all ran away. <laughs> so they want to, in the name of speaking Srimad Bhagavatam, they want 
which is meant for the topmost benefit. They want to cheat people. And you'll find this kind of speaker lacks of people will come. Because they want to be cheated. And who's actually speaking Bhagavatam, they won't entertain. So very few people will come. Because people are not serious. But anyway, the injun- I'm just giving an example. The injunction is there. Here's Srimad Bhagavatam. So even if people go with some pious motive, they may, they may, even without desiring it, come to hear some bona fide speaker. Or they're, they're enjoined to serve sadhu. So sadhu, he may, from the householder, he may take some bhiksha, some food, some milk, but he'll give something also. Sadhu is not meant for taking just whatever he needs. He's meant for giving spiritual knowledge. So even if people don't want it, he'll give it to them. Just like you may have seen that film, Prabhupada arrives at one airport. And the newspaper report is doing his job. He's not interested. Then what have you come in for? I have come to teach you what you have forgotten. God. Prabhupada immediately preaches to you. Another time that Prabhupada gave a press conference at Philadelphia. And then he was walking down the concourse in the airport. And one TV reporter came. He missed the press conference. So he comes running up with the other man running behind with his... with the. Uh, with the camera. So they come and Prabhupada's walking. They just stop in front of Prabhupada and immediately gets all the mic and camera and then reads and says, it says, uh, is your movement Hinduism or Buddhism? <laughs> so Prabhupada immediately, he didn't, and he said, we have nothing to do with this ism or that ism. We are teaching the absolute truth. And if you want to be benefited, you should take it also. He didn't answer, he didn't answer in a stereotype way, just like the, the man just doing some job. Today, you see, nine o'clock, have to meet, have to see Swami Prabhupada at the airport. Ten o'clock, this, that, but he got up late, so whoosh, he came late. And Prabhupada immediately preached to him as a person. He didn't just see a newspaper reporter, preached to him as a person. So that is the nature of a sadhu. He cuts through the maya by speaking the truth. So that is the benefit of Vedic civilization. That people may, they, they may, they're told you have to respect sadhus. One, one thing it saves you from fall down and it prepares the consciousness to be more inclined towards Krishna consciousness. Otherwise in itself there's no benefit. Also one may get agata sukriti unknown pious activities. Just like, for instance, someone plants trees. It's a pious activity to plant trees. Because the people that will get some shade plant trees along the path. So when people are walking from one village to another, they'll get some shade in the summer heat. So that's a pious activity to plant trees because it helps people. So people may plant trees. They're thinking that, well, if I plant so many trees, then I'll get some pious benefit and I can enjoy more heavenly delights in future. So they're doing it with a selfish motive, actually, planting trees. Although this kind of activity, digging wells, planting trees, 
feeding the poor, all those kind of things. Even though people do it with a selfish motive, either they, they will be praised by others for being charitable, or they will get some pious result in the future. But that, at least that teaches not to be grossly selfish. At least instead of doing everything directly for yourself, do it for others. But the real benefit will come if, you see, they planted the trees, and maybe the person who planted the trees already died, and a hundred years later the trees are still there. And a devotee is walking on that path. He's a devotee, he's going from village to village to preach Krishna consciousness. So the person who planted that tree, he gets the pious benefit of the devotee. So that's in relationship with Krishna consciousness. So he gets some pious activity which is in relationship with Krishna consciousness. That purifies his... Even though he doesn't know his consciousness is purified. He may... The spirit soul in the form of a dog may take some prasad. He doesn't know I'm taking prasad. But becomes pure. spirit soul gets some purification which is conducive towards Krishna consciousness. It's called bhakti-unmukhi supriti. Ordinary pious activities, they cannot help one to become Krishna conscious. That Krishna conscious cannot be attained even after millions of years of performing pious activities. Digging wells, performing sacrifices, giving in charity. But if there is some connection with Krishna, that kind of pious activity, then a person's consciousness becomes attracted to Krishna. Krishna says in the Gita, those whose sinful activities have ceased, those who are free from the reactions of sin, sinful activities, and who have performed pious activities in previous lives and in this life, and who are free from the duality of delusion, engage in my devotional search for determination. So that pious activity doesn't mean opening hospitals and schools and Bielas opening the Bieler Institute of Technology and Science, building a Saraswati temple, which no one goes to. And Saraswati is not teaching technology and science. <laughs> this is called Yantra Vidya, the Vedic knowledge. That's actually meant for the demons. It's not meant for God, it's not meant for godly people. That's, that's a department for the demons. So Saraswati has got nothing to do with this. Saraswati is playing a veena. Not that you see they have some... Of course, yesterday I heard they're playing Prabhupada. But they have this kind of filmy bhajan. Like Crosby's. You listen to some bhajan at the same time you enjoy the filmy style of music. There's nothing, it's not, nothing to do with Saraswati. So there's, there's not, uh, see, dealers they can do, they can open millions of bits all over the country, but that won't make them devotees. They can, uh, just like these big industrialists, they think, I'm, I'm doing so much good for the people, I'm opening so many factories, employing so many people. But this is not, this won't give them devotional service. But if someone does some pious activity in relationship with the devotees, then he gets some benefit. See, when Prabhupada was having that first preaching center of the Krishna conscious movement in New York, it was in a very bad area. Even now it's a bad area. 
So some bums, that's a, in, in American English, bum means someone who's down and out, derelict. They're just drinking all the time. Their brain is gone because they're always drunk. So Prabhupada is giving a lecture and one of these bums walked in and talked some non- said something incoherent, as they do, because they're intoxicated all the time, and put down some toilet paper and then walked out. Prabhupada said he has begun his devotional service. <laughs> Not that Prabhupada uses toilet paper. That's, you see, toilet paper, that's another nonsense. <laughs> Smear your stool all over your backside. And then you don't take a bath. And even you see, they don't even wash their hands. So they have no idea. Pravritim chani, vritim chajanana vidarasura. What's the next line? Nirana vidarasura. Nasatyam. Nashocham. They don't know what is cleanliness or proper behavior or what is true. So lack of cleanliness, that is symptom of the demon. They don't know what is to be done or not, what is not to be done. And they're not clean. So probably toilet paper, you see, no use for them. Still Prabhupada accepted it. He accepted it, all right. This man has got no way to be purified. He's absolutely at the pits of human life, just constantly intoxicated. I mean, even uh, even in terms of Western civilization, which is not civilized, but even in their terms, these people are not civilized. So, how what to do? He gave a toilet paper. All right, accept. Even though you have no use for it, because that means that person will make some spiritual advancement. Prabhupada, when he was there in New York, and so many his so many people used to bring here some some food, something they cooked at home. Prabhupada would accept it. Later, the one girl, she later became Prabhupada's disciple. She says, "I don't think Prabhupada ever ate it, but he took it. He accepted it. He didn't reject it. So that this way, the Vedic civilization has some use." But if people remain stuck up on the platform of dharma, artha, karma, and moksha, then they cannot cannot achieve the actual goal of life. So, pravritin sabhabhutam, nivritis tu mahafalam, nanu. He said that this pravriti marga, everyone is attached to that, but actually, Nivriti marga, the path of renunciation, that can give you the actual fruit of the Vedas. The fruit of the Vedas is Krishna consciousness, as described in Srimad Bhagavatam. There are so many fruits. Prabhupada calls Karmakanda fruitive activities. You're doing it to get some fruit. I will perform some pious activity and I will enjoy the fruits of sense gratification later. But the ripened fruit, or the real fruit of the tree of the Vedic knowledge, is Krishna consciousness. Nigamakalpa. Nigamakalpa means Nigam means the Vedas. 
Kalpa means a desire for filling tree. By following the Vedas, what do you want? You want to be Indra, you want to be Brahma, there's a process. You want to be Brahma, you can become Brahma. There's a process, you have to follow. It's not easy. There's only one Brahma among unlimited living beings in each universe. But there's a process, you can become Brahma, you can become Indra, you can go to the heavenly planets, you can go to the hellish planets. The Vedas give direction. If you want to go to hell, it's, it's eat meat, drink wine, all this, you can go to hell. How to do everything. You want to become expert architect or musician. All these things. Happy family life. Everything is described. How to rule a kingdom. Everything is described in the Vedas. Nigamakalpa Taru is a wish for filling tree. Whatever you get, you can get. But what is the ripened fruit? Nigamakalpatara, Galitantalam, Shukamakadamrata Jagasamritam. This Srimad Bhagavatam is the ripened fruit of the tree of Vedic knowledge, desire fulfilling tree. And it has become even sweeter after being relished by Shukadev Goswami. Srimad Bhagavatam was spoken by the ass to Shukadev. He taught that to him. But then Shukadev added his own realization. It became sweeter. Krishna is already sweet because it's as the subject matter is turned over by devotees, it becomes more relishable. So this is the actual point of the Vedic knowledge. Hibata Bhagavatam Rasamavara, Vahura To taste the bhakti ras. Everyone in this world is interested in some enjoyment. Vyasadeva was encouraging them in the name of religion that the real enjoyment and the real, the real purpose of religion is to taste the bhakti ras. So that only comes after, that comes after surrender. Sometimes our devotees are very interested in ras. We want to become prematurely rasik bhaktas. But Srimad Bhagavatam begins where Srimad Bhagavad Gita leaves off. So Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Krishna gives his final instruction, Savadhaman Prithyadhyamamekamsharnambhaja, surrender to me. If you should surrender to Krishna, then Bhakti Rasa will come. Not artificially. No surrender, only nectar. And so I want to enjoy Krishna consciousness. But no surrender. No control of the senses. No control of the mind. No hard work. Then you don't get Bhakti Rasa. Then you get what appears to be bhakti but it's simply some manifestation of the external energy. It's another kind of cheating. So, Narad Muni is recommending you glorify Krishna and teach people to surrender to him. Then your purpose of being Vyasa will be fulfilled. And he will elaborate on this further as he is doing so throughout this chapter. A little over time here. Is there any question? What are you saying? What is surrender? The definition of surrender to Krishna is given in one verse in Hari Bhakti Vilas. See, every word has its definition. It's not just some vague thing, surrender. Yes, I'm surrendered. 
in my heart. But no, I, I'm surrendered in my heart. Just like we find some repeating, yes, I love Krishna. But what's the symptom of your love for Krishna? Anyone can say, I love Krishna. Or I, I, I always feel Krishna in my heart. We, sometimes we hear such sentimental things, but they're meaningless. Everything has to be tested by one's activities. So surrender is not just some vague term, but it has a specific meaning. So that is defined in Haribhati Vilas, and you will find that quote, that verse quoted in Prabhupada's purport to chapter 18, text 66 of Bhagavad Gita, in which Krishna speaks of surrender to him. There are six symptoms of surrender. Anukalyasya Sankalpa Pratikulyasya Vajanam Rakshishatiti Vishvaso Bhaktrudvevaranam Pata Atma Nikshepa Karpanye Sharadita Sharanagati Sharanagati. That means the path of surrender. So briefly I'll just say these six symptoms are that one devotee should perform activities only which are conducive towards the development of Krishna consciousness. He should he should be firmly fixed in his determination to perform only activities which are conducive towards the development of Krishna consciousness. And anything which is against the development of Krishna consciousness, anything which is inhibiting that, he rejects it. Then he has firm faith that Krishna will protect him. And that Krishna only is his maintainer. He doesn't go to any demigod. <coughs> Even his own activity. He's firmly convinced that Krishna alone will protect him. Ananyas Krishna says, one who always thinks of me, I provide everything to him. So devotee, he's not anxious. He knows Krishna will look after him. Then, Atmanikshepa, he fully engages himself in Krishna's service with body, mind and words. And Karpanye, Karpanyava means he's very humble. But Newton worked it out, so I should consult the physics professor. I should go to someone who has that knowledge. So we have to take knowledge of that which is not within our immediate power of understanding from those who understand. That's why we're studying scripture. Scripture means that which gives knowledge of the universe which is not within our immediate power of understanding. And there are many things. So according to scripture, Purusha, this is Gita I'm quoting now, Purusha Sukatukanam, that everyone is responsible for his own happiness and distress. Now you may say, how is that? A two and a half year old boy. How did he, what did he do wrong? Why do bad things happen to good people? This is a, this is a common, it's, it's a theological problem in the Western, in the religions of the Western, in Christianity, Judaism. It's a problem because they believe in God, so God is all good, then why does he allow suffering? he's all good and all powerful, then he should just make everything very nice for everybody. So you either have to conclude that either God is not all good, or he's not all powerful. There was some years ago, there was a Jewish rabbi in America, famous Jewish rabbi. His name was Hari Krishna. 
So he wrote a book, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. Because so many people say, oh, I don't, why there's so much suffering. She, the nice young girl, she was kind to everybody and then she was killed in a car crash. Why? Uh, why should I believe in God? God's not kind. So Hare Krishna wrote and said, he came to the conclusion, actually God is good. But, you know, it's out of his control. <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good guy. He's kind, he's nice, he's, he's like your grandfather. He's nice, but, you know, he can't really do blame on God. But Gita says, Krishna says in Gita, Purusha Sukha Dukhanam, you are yourself on the cross. So how is that? It means in a previous life you performed activities by which you are now getting the result. Why is someone born in a rich family, healthy, good-looking, intelligent? Someone is born in handicapped, in a in a job 